Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 63 of the Communication Coach Podcast. I hope you're well and having a good week or it's Sunday here so I hope you're having a good day whatever you're doing. I can't actually believe it it's the 2nd of February already and the last podcast I did was in December so I'm incredibly sorry that January seems to have bypassed me (laughs) very quickly and disappeared. Um, It's been extremely busy with the businesses which have been brilliant and I've been learning lots and lots of new things that I'm going to share with you over the next few episodes. So I'm lucky enough that I'm still in contact with some people that I used to work with and my old boss and another negotiator who I used to work with have asked me to go to Luxembourg with them next week, which I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this for a couple of reasons. One, I get to mix with some people I have great respect for and I always learn something. Wherever I go with other previous negotiators who are still constantly learning as well and developing and it's just great to share with people who are very like-minded and new ideas and ways forward and yeah I always walk away just from the conversation that I walked away with them from last week planning the trip that we're having I already have walked away knowing a little bit more than I did when I arrived and I love that and they're great fun and they're really good people to be with so I'm really excited about that we were talking about some of the the ways of negotiation and what we've been developing ourselves and you you know you go away from meetings and from training and you read and you learn a little bit more and, and you never stop developing and growing and there's lots of other people out there who have great expertise around conversations and communication and how that works and how that interlinks and new things that you can learn and then you share that with other people and grow and think about well hang on how does that fit in my life and what does that look like when I'm teaching people and when I'm coaching people in communication and I've just been recently listening to a book by Amy Cundy called Presence and I've always been a great believer that the most successful I ever was we ever were as a group of negotiators was because we brought our presence to the conversation and I remember having a conversation with a, a colleague of mine from Police Scotland about this exact topic around you know is it these great skills that we've got that help yeah of course they do and the more you use them the better they become and the easier it becomes and you can influence and persuade people but actually a lot of the time is just about being present so we were talking about this and I said well I can do a presentation on this in Luxembourg and talk about being present and then so we started talking about well what does that actually mean what does being present really mean and there's lots of different um, definitions in the dictionary about being present but for me it's about being there being there in the moment with no judgment being genuine leaving all your own conceived beliefs behind which isn't easy to do because they come with us wherever we go sometimes we bring those past experiences into new relationships I don't know if you've ever found this I can certainly relate to this where I've had a past relationship and brought that forward maybe because the person's got the same accent or they come from the same place in the country just you know little things that are completely irrelevant but suddenly trigger something and and gives you that hesitation of oh my god is this going to be the same 
And of course, it's not because they're a completely different person. But there's that little inner dialogue that goes on, that little warning, and it's a protection voice. The whole, the whole purpose of our our reactions, our emotions, our our inner voices are, are to protect us. To and that's based a lot of those are based on past experience. So our brain will bring back that past experience. It will ring an alarm bell for us and make us wary of what it perceives might happen. And actually, it's okay just to settle that voice down and say, look, I know you're looking to protect me, but I'm I'm okay. I'm an adult now. I've learned from other experiences, from other people, and I feel safe. It is okay. And by doing that, you can generally settle the little voice down. Obviously, you have to be self-aware enough to know that that little voice is going on inside your head. But often we come to conversations where we're not present. And I include myself in this. And I noticed the other day just by sitting down at the tea table uh, with Meg and my partner. And we were sitting there discussing our days. We, we always come together at dinner time. For me, that's an incredibly important place to be just to discuss what's happened. And obviously, as Meg gets older, she doesn't need us as much. Um, sometimes that's hard. <laughs> of course, the world continues to move. And our purpose in life is to let Meg go out into the big wide world and make her own decisions and have her own experiences and, and an amazing life. And so for me, when I certainly when I left the police and went into setting up my own businesses, I've been always very strict on two things. And those two things are one that we'll have breakfast together. And the second one is that we'll have dinner together where possible. Obviously, that's not always possible. My partner is still a police officer and works long hours and obviously, I'm off to Luxembourg next week, so that's not going to be possible for me to have dinner with them. But where we can, we sit down and we just talk about the day, talk about what we enjoyed about the day, talked about what we've been doing, talked about what frustrated us about the day, you know, just family conversation, just being there for each other. And I remember sitting there during the conversation and, and Meg was talking and my mind was completely about something else. And it was something random like, have the goats have their had their injections? We've got four goats, um, which are a complete side issue to this podcast. But they're, <laughs> they're brilliant for therapy to just go and sit and <clears throat> have a cup of tea with the goats. That is great. Two pygmies and two half pygmy goats. Very amazing. Never had goats before. Very calming creatures. If you're ever stressed, please uh, feel free to pop over and see our goats because they they're great fun they make everybody smile and they're just just there i guess just in the moment they're just present in the in the moment with you a complete aside to this podcast so sorry about that and in my head you know when you have something in your head and you just have to get it out so you're not really listening you're definitely not present because you're present in your own mind and all you're doing is thinking about your own conversation and and what it means and and has it been done and often we just blurt that out, blurt completely over what the other person is saying, take the conversation completely away from where the other person wanted it to be, move it completely onto our own agenda and get the question answered that we want answered. And it really was something random about have the goats have their had their injection or be or been given their worming tablets, something, you know, completely off piece while she was talking about school. And I remember I just blurted it out, just completely cut over her as I'm sitting there for dinner, uh, and she kind of like looked at me and then came with me on what I wanted to, s to discuss around the goats. Um, but then we never really went back to what she was saying in the conversation. 
and I wonder how many times we we do this I know I know I do it I know I, know I listen to other people do it where we are just not present we're not really there listening because our whole brain is full of all the stuff that we've got to think about and tick off our checklist and what happens when when we are not present and when we are full of where we want to go with the conversation or the question that we want to ask we just cut across straight across somebody else's conversation and you you see this often if you just listen to other people talking you'll hear them cut across each other's conversations wanting to have the direction of the communication of where they want it to go rather than being present with the other person and listening to what happens and, and certainly in the world of negotiation and good conversation and communication and the world of coaching that you are present with that other person and that might be the first time anybody has really been present with them there in the moment sharing that moment with them and I learned a lot from a group called Hear Us that used to work in Croydon and I've probably shared this before but one of the ladies there who called Jane who was one of the first instigators of us working with Hera, she she said to me, you know, when she was talking to people in crisis on the telephone, that when they were both exhausted, that they would stop and she would say, look, you know, I'm here, I'm 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 with you in the moment, but it's okay to just be, and it is okay to just be. So what what else does presence mean? So we all have a bias without a shadow of a doubt, and that is built around many things. And when we bring our bias to a conversation, uh, for those of you that are not listening in the UK at the moment, we uh, well, yeah, on Friday we left Brexit. Some people were pleased, some people were unhappy. There's been lots of conversation about it. Um, and everybody who is involved in that will have their bias, will have their own opinion based on what they believe to be true, based on the facts and figures that they will look for to make their bias and opinion true and that comes you know that all of that stems from how we're brought up and the people that we surround ourselves with and often when we're full of bias we don't bring ourselves to the conversation we're not we're not present we're not listening we're already well we are listening but we listen in a combative way so we're listening to take all the bits of the conversation that fit what we believe to be true before we it's kind of like a, a a game of ping pong where somebody bats the ball to you and then you bat it straight back in a combative conversation so because you're full of bias so that so that's when we're not present so if you can put that bias to one side and this is great with kids i have to say is because we all have a bias with with children and it's it's actually really interesting being a step parent because because the emotional involvement is different from a parent so let me just clarify what I mean by that. So so as I watch Meg in her relationships with her blood parents and I see them I see them clash because Meg is obviously at the age of 13 now she's getting her own values and what happens is as we all grow up we are influenced by different people so at that kind of teen stage that adolescent stage where the brain is massively developing where the emotions are kicking in, but the logical brain can't keep up and it's all a little bit confusing. So they're having the emotional experience, but they don't have the developed brain enough to um, work out what's happening or why it's happening. And so you you get 
a bigger emotional response and and that's I always find it quite amusing because as adults we go right into to childlike behavior when we become emotional and all that happens is we we do an emotional response back to an emotional response that then becomes a bigger emotional response and as the as the adults we're you know we often revert back perhaps you can relate to this we often revert back to kind of do as I say not do as I do um, because we have gone back into our own childlike <laughs> behavior but it's interesting watching from a step parent point of view watching the the parents and and the child Meg is obviously getting influenced now by her peers at school she's getting her own ideas not just by from her peers at school YouTube social media you know things that were never about when I was at school and gosh that was hard enough and let alone having to now grow up with all those added bits and that added pressure and all that extra information that comes in and yeah and, and I can and I can see it happen I can see the pushback and I can see um, the pushback then from the parents and then the pushback again from Meg and I think as a step parent it's well, I'm going to say I'm going to say from my point of view, because not, you know, complete from step parents, because we all have different relationships. But from my point of view, and and probably from my training as well, which, which helps me to understand this a lot more, is I can kind of step back and, and watch it happening, and and then have a, a a logical conversation with both parties involved, almost like <laughs> almost like a mediator, because I can see it from a different perspective, and I can see it from both parties' perspectives. So I find that quite interesting. Don't get me wrong, I have my own emotions, of course I do, and often my conversations are driven by those, especially if I'm tired or grumpy or I get it wrong or I misinterpret what is being said. And and you know, and then my childlike behaviour kicks in and before I know what's happening I'm having an argument and a big discussion going round and round in circles and you have to like something has to stop, the pause button has to be pushed. And then you can walk away from it and go, actually, hang on a sec. Let me reflect on that. Let me see what I can learn from that. And what was it about that conversation? And probably a lot of that is because of not being present fully in the moment and not listening, but having all those questions of your own and that conversation that you want to drive yourself to taking over. So that's my take on presence. The book that I... I'm reading is by Amy Cundy called Presence. Uh, it's very interesting. I think it's fascinating anyway. I'm fascinated by human behavior. But if you have a, a similar interest, it's a, a really good book to go and dig out. So uh, the other thing I talked about towards the back end of last year was this book that I'm writing. It is almost done. In fact, I've been given a timeline pressure from an outside source now. So it's more likely to get done a lot quicker. But I thought I would share... I thought I would share um, chapter two, the beginning of chapter two. So the book is set out. It has a negotiation that happened to me. Well, not to me. I was involved in the negotiation and the lessons that I've learned from that. And that, gosh, lessons always. And it's quite interesting to read it back. But I thought I would just share this chapter in this podcast. See what you think. I welcome all feedback if you don't like it. If you do like it, um, I'm, you know, I'm happy to rethink the whole structure. But let me just read this to you. Um, so, so this is chapter two of my book. It's late. 
a little before 11pm and I'm off to bed. The rain is pouring down outside and I'm pleased to be in the warm and dry. My thoughts are about tomorrow and the day at work. My work mobile phone rings. It's S from the hostage and crisis unit. My heart starts to quicken. This is the call I've been waiting for, my first job as a negotiator, and I quickly answer it. Nick, he says, I know you're not on call, but this one is a few minutes from where you live. Can you take it? Yes, I say, like an over-eager puppy. So I'm told a man who's been released from prison has assaulted his ex-girlfriend, taken their baby, and after a short car chase is now surrounded by police refusing to get out of the car and holding the baby close to his chest. A fast car, which is a police car driven by a qualified person to drive to emergency calls, is sent for me. It arrives outside my house a few minutes later and I'm whisked at Walk Factor 10 to a side street in Croydon, South London. My mind is racing with all the skills I've been taught. I have pictured the scenario in my mind. The negotiator arrives, brackets me. She is calm and professional as her training kicks in. She is able to show the young man the error of his ways. He releases the child and walks out of the car admitting he's made a mistake and thanks her for being there and listening to him. The new friends hug, shake hands and he hands her the child. Everyone walks away happy with the outcome. Eight hours later and he's actually said two sentences to me. One is you don't understand and the other is for me to go away but in a much stronger language. He doesn't care about my new skills, the assumption I have made about how this will end or me. He cares about himself and what's going on. The first thing I notice is the man is massive. His frame fills the car and the child fits snugly into the palm of his gigantic hand. I don't notice the fact it is still raining or that all the other experienced negotiators have big golfing umbrellas. Eight hours disappears in a jiffy and as I speak to the man trying to get him to release the child and come out of the car himself. As time passes, the medical team are becoming increasingly concerned for the child's welfare as she's been separated from her mother and not eaten for a number of hours. The temperature is dropping and she has had no change of clothing or nappy. Eventually, we persuade the male to put the child on the passenger seat and take some food and clothing for her. As he reaches for the food, he is tasered and the child is pulled from the car safe and sound. For hours after the event, I reflect on what has happened, what I could have done better, how we had ended with the result we had. It took me many months and years after the incident to realise how I dealt with it with this incident was all about me. I had wanted to be the heroine of the story. It had all reflected around me, my use of my new skills I had been taught, my agenda and my story. I hadn't listened to him properly, worked out who he was and what was important to him. I guess he saw me as just another cop who was going to get him back to prison and a life he perhaps hated. Life lesson. People don't care about you and your skills. They are motivated by their own values and beliefs. In the words of John Maxwell, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And for me, when I look back on that instant, I know that I wasn't present. It really was all about me. It was about how this interaction was going to work. You know, I had great dreams of my first ever negotiation, that it was just going to be amazing, that I was really going to be the heroine of the piece. Uh, no matter what was thrown at me. And life isn't like that. And life isn't like that when you are not true and you're not there and you try and be somebody who you are not. And people can see that. And they can see that when you're not genuine, which is fascinating for me. I learned a massive lesson from that. It took me a long time to work out what the lesson was. Don't get me wrong, I didn't walk away from that negotiation and go, oh yeah, I get that. 
it was all about me, uh, nothing to do with him. I, I spent a long, long time working out actually what what was that all about and how come it didn't work. And, you know, sometimes we have a, a, an idea, an ideology in our minds about how things should be and or, or, what's, or what somebody that we perceive better than us would do. And w- as soon as we do that, we lose who we are, we lose that genuineness and it's the genuineness that makes a difference to people. It doesn't matter where it, whether it's in a negotiation like that or whether it's in a conversation with a, a family member or a child or a customer or a team member. It's, it's being true to who you are and being true to what you believe in. And yeah, we all have different values and beliefs. And as long as you recognise that and as r- long as you recognise that just because you have a belief it doesn't make you right, you're able to bring that genuineness to the conversation and you're able to bring yourself. And so on that note, I would just encourage you to bring your presence to the conversation. Be there for people, listen to them. It's hard sometimes, especially when you've got raw emotions involved. It's incredibly hard if you feel hard done by by somebody or you're angry with somebody. But where you can, where you can be that self-aware, it makes a huge difference a huge difference to what sort of conversation you're likely to have. I hope you have a great week. I'm looking forward to mine. I'll tell you all about it. Let me know feedback on that chapter of the book and I will speak to you soon. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Comms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like.